Hello again, and welcome to Faith, Family, and Politics. I'm your host, Joshua Cummins. We're going to have a really big show today. Yeah, we are. Uh, I, oh, there's my name. All right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that was our good friend, Louie, uh, next to me here, uh, Mr. Host of Rodriguez Rants, Louis Rodriguez. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me. Um, just before I announce the other two people at the table, I just want to talk about uh, Revolver Broadcasting just a little bit. Uh, we are we are s- stepping into a, kind of a, a new chapter because we're we're closing in on episode fifty. The tonight is episode forty eight. I don't know if you guys wow. know that or not. So this has been a long time. I was actually looking back at with with Louis here recently at at the old videos and was like all the different things that we've gone through to get to this point. So mm-hmm. this is really cool to to see it, this show just ever evolving and ever getting into the new new tech. Um, we're using a, uh, a different um, uh, program to record with, and we've got new lights. I don't know if you can notice that I actually have cheekbones now. Um, <laughs> you know, I was wondering where those came from. <laughs> and uh, if you're if you if you see me in real life, I don't have this tan uh, skin that you see on on the that's that's all uh, smoke and mirrors here. Special that we're using. effects, yeah, yeah. <laughs> CG. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of fun uh, to to get this thing moving forward. And we're uh, we're also introducing some new uh, uh, to, to Alan's detriment programming, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and working a lot of things. A lot of things are going to be in the mix here, so uh, be prepared for that and, uh, uh, and and keep a lookout. And you know, make sure that you're um, not only um, following on Facebook, but also subscribed on YouTube or Rumble, hitting those notification bells or, or whatever you need to do to find out when our next videos are coming out. Or, or anything, or well, audio too, because we're, we're also anywhere you download your audio podcast. This particular program, uh, Faith, Family, and Politics, is anywhere you download your audio podcasts. We're literally everywhere. We're also on Truth Social and and uh, uh, Parlor uh, for the people that are actually are on that platform, because there's very few of us left, I think. Um, but yeah, we're reaching out to, to pretty much everything. So yeah, keep a lookout. All right. And uh, yeah, and comment, comment, comment. Don't forget that. You know, the more you comment, it breaks the algorithm and and, and algorithm rather and uh, uh, allows uh, this program to get a further reach and uh, allows for um, messages like the one that Mr. Donald Martyr is going to bring tonight um, to to reach the masses. We want the people to hear the word of the Lord. That's the main crux of this program and to instill those values into whoever's ears could hear and whoever's eyes could see. All right. So without further ado, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, bringing the message tonight is the, the golden voice himself, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Donald Martyr. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Gearing up for bringing the message tonight. I'm That's excited. Right. That's uh, right. It's been a little while. Felt like, <laughs> I felt like a, a true uh, a clergyman uh, putting the rest of this together 40 minutes before I walked out my door to be here, <laughs> you know. Because you get inspired and then you start preparing little by little and then all of a sudden you have to put it all together into a functional something. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, there's always that that, that last little bit of like something pops in. Uh, It's like like God goes, hey, you you could put that in there too. And you're like, hey, don't forget. You got it, dude. Yep. (laughs) Yep. That's it. It's great when it goes along with what you've already had planned. Sometimes he likes to be like, nope, we're going to do this instead. Yeah, we're pivoting. Exactly. <laughs> pivoting. Pivot. Pivot. Yeah. And uh, I'm happy that she's adding uh, in. She, she's uh, sitting in uh, Alan's seat tonight because he's out doing some other stuff. I don't know. Um, not working, so quit being lazy, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
the our producer's uh, wife. Yeah. And very lovely lady Sarah Metcalf Allen. Hey, that's me. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and Sarah's been on uh, this show uh, a few times. And she's brought the message, and 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 so it's nice to just have her to be able to come in and and enjoy the show as it is, and not have to. Uh, uh, perform, I guess that's what I should say. <laughs> Be in the so, hot seat. Yeah. We leave it up to the golden voice today. Oh, there we go. There <laughs> we go. I know you're capable, sir. Well, I'll do my best. Go ahead and lead us into prayer if you wouldn't mind. Absolutely. Father God, we just thank you so much for uh, this opportunity, Lord, to come together, uh, to share your word with one another, uh, Lord God, to grow closer to you in our relationship. And uh, Father God, that we could uh, use this word uh, to inspire uh, others around us, Lord God, that we would be uh, filled up, uh, shaken up, Lord God, pressed down and overflow into uh, our neighborhoods, into our communities, Lord God, into our workplaces and our churches, Lord. Uh, we ask that your uh, Holy Spirit would be uh, experienced, Lord God, at every opportunity and every turn, Lord. And uh, above all things, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to this earth, Lord God, laid his life down on a cross for the forgiveness of our sin, that we may have everlasting and eternal life in your kingdom. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So what's that title you got for us tonight? It is called Welcome to the Table. Oh, look at that. Pretty graphic. Oh, yeah. There you <laughs> go. That's what's up. I guess that's what happens when you are prepared a few days in advance with the title. Yeah. You just <laughs> it's you nice. You can put pretty pictures together. So, <laughs> All right. So... Uh, to kind of get into this, uh, I'll give you a little bit of background of what my inspiration for this uh, subject was. So in 2017, um, my wife and I were living in a little town called Waldron, Indiana, which is, uh, if you are familiar with Indiana and the Indianapolis area, uh, if you go east towards Cincinnati, about 30 minutes out from Indianapolis is this little town uh, called Waldron. And we were staying out there. Uh, we were living um, in my father-in-law's home. He travels for work, and so his uh, home was available for us, and uh, we stayed out there, and um, uh, it was awesome. We got a, we got involved in a church community out there and uh, Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, um, still an awesome church. We're still connected with them, still active with them with certain ministry things, which is really cool. Uh, we're not members there any longer. Uh, I'm the worship pastor at uh, Garfield Christian Church, and that's where we serve. Uh, but we do get a chance to go back and visit uh, our, our extended uh, church family, which is really, really cool. Uh, in, in 2017, I had gotten a job uh, at the government center uh, in downtown Indianapolis and had been traveling back and forth from Waldron to Indianapolis and back. And that was about an hour, hour and 20 minute drive one way, uh, because once you get into the city, it's about 30 to 40 minutes just to get in from the outskirts of the city into downtown Indianapolis. And that didn't last long. Uh, eventually we had to figure out a plan on trying to find something that was in between. So we moved to, uh, this little area called Acton, Indiana, which is kind of just a province. It's still within Indianapolis and within Marion County, but it's on the Southeast side of town about halfway between where we were going to church and where I was working. So it was a nice, a nice mix. Uh, I say all that uh, as background to let you know, when we moved into our home, um, the home that we are still currently renting, uh, we've been there for about five and a half years now. It'll be six in July. Uh, one thing that my wife and I had always wanted to do 
uh, we love visiting with friends. We love being able to spend time with our friends and our family. And uh, we love playing board games and just sharing in a meal or just hanging out and, and conversing. Uh, and we felt uh, a really strong push in our lives to open our home up to people that we uh, hadn't seen in a long time. Maybe we had gone to church with them years before and had just uh, lost that connection. And so we wanted to we wanted to open our house up to renewing those relationships. And um, uh, the way that we did that is on Friday nights, we uh, every week we would open our doors around 6 o'clock and we served dinner from our home. And the rule was we made dinner. If you wanted to bring – we had coffee, tea, and water – we made everything for dinner. If you wanted to bring something, you could bring a dessert, you could bring a drink, or you could just bring yourself and a friend. Uh, it was There were never any real strict rules as to, to what you could bring or anything like that. But we, um, uh, we started it out as an opportunity to kind of renew a lot of relationships. Um, interestingly enough, <clears throat> where... Our goals and desires when we started doing that were to reconnect with relationships over the course of about four years of doing it because we we ended that ministry in 2021. Um, we just weren't able to keep up with it, and I think the Lord was really kind of changing a lot of things in our household for us to be able to be open to different yeah. ministry opportunities. So <laughs> we started... We started um, we started that ministry with a mindset of we want to get connected with the people that we've missed uh, spending life with and, and doing life with. And so it was kind of an extension, if you will, uh, a life group, if you want to call it that. But I would say usually a life group is about 12 to 15 people. There were nights when we had 45 people in our house. Wow. Yeah. And um, the goal was for us to be an open home, to be able to share life and catch up with people. And the, the question that we asked ourselves when we started was a very similar question to what we asked ourselves at the end of doing that, and it was always, who are we opening our doors to? Who is welcome to our table? And I think it's at first it started out as an opportunity for us to connect with people that we had missed, that we wanted to build a relationship with. Right. By the time that we closed the door on that ministry, now our door is always open. So yeah. you guys are always invited to come over if you want to come and hang out and, and play a board game or have some dinner or something like that. Just give me a call first so I can go to the store. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but that ministry uh, closing its doors uh, in our home, by the time we got done, our, uh, our definition or our uh, prospect of who was invited to the home changed dra- dramatically. And we went from a household of people who invited those that we knew to a household of inviting people that we didn't know at all. Uh, we started a lot of really cool relationships with that ministry. Uh, I mean, and, and just, I could go into extremely long stories of really funny situations where I met new people in completely obscure places and invited them into my home, and we are still friends with them. And, you know, I grew up, yeah. Uh, with my parents saying, don't talk to strangers. So like this, you know, <laughs> I think we was, all did. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, 
So, um, you know, it was, it was a stretch, especially for my wife. Um, she's more of an introvert. I am a pretty extreme extrovert. Uh, so I, we were definitely put into a lot of uncomfortable situations with new people coming into our home and having to build a relationship with these people from square one. Uh, but seeing how the Lord used that opportunity had been and has continues to be just incredible because we still have a connection with most of the people that, uh, would come on a Thursday night or uh, on a Friday night. And, uh, even still, uh, even though we don't do every Friday, we still do um, like an early spring family game night with the like with anybody who is a part of that uh, that wants to come over. Um, usually, it's in February, uh, and then we'll do a summer cookout, and then we do uh, like our friendsgiving celebration the Friday after Thanksgiving, and it's and it's all of those same people. Like we still get thirty or forty people there, and. Uh, it's one, you know, one Friday or one Saturday or, well, I guess three total in the year <laughs> versus like 52. But it was, uh, it was really interesting when we were asking ourselves, who do we want to reach out to? Who do we want to invite into our home? Uh, and that's kind of the inspiration for tonight's message is I want to examine who the Lord has invited into uh, what Jesus would call the great banquet. Uh, he talked about it in a couple of different areas um, in the Bible. Uh, and even in the Old Testament, there's uh, uh, in Psalms and in Isaiah and, and a few of the books of the prophets, there are these um, connections to the kingdom of God and being related to a great banquet. And so I just kind of wanted to go into that a little bit and talk about <coughs> in, in our circles and in our lives as we meet new people, we should always be looking at the relationship, the relationships that we have, through the lens of who Jesus is, and if we are focused on the two great commandments, you know, when the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, "What's the greatest law, uh, you know, from Moses, or what's the greatest law that we follow?" and he said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself." If we're using that as the lens to build our relationships, uh, it will change the way we look at who we invite into our lives. It'll change the way we look at who we invite into our homes and who we invite to our table. But it also gives us a bit of a perspective on who is already invited into that exchange, into that great banquet. So I want to start out tonight um, just reading very quickly the the parable of the great banquet. So this is... It's found in a few different places, uh, so I'm going to talk about uh, the telling in Luke 14 and later on in Matthew 22, because there's a couple of very interesting differences. Uh, the overall message is exactly the same, but there's a couple of things that we'll pick up on later on in Matthew uh, that are uh, pretty interesting. So in Luke 14, uh, 15 through 24, it says, uh, now, just to give you a very quick uh, set up. Jesus is sharing dinner with his disciples, his his uh, apostles, uh, and a bunch of other people are kind of hanging out. And they're all eating, and the uh, Sadducees and the Pharisees, well, the Pharisees, excuse me, come to him and they ask him why he's allowing his disciples to eat without having washed their hands first. Hmm. So he, they're trying to call him out on what would have been like a procedural law. 
you know, that he's that he's breaking this. So that's kind of the uh, the setting. So he's he's talking to them. Uh, he's talking to these uh, Pharisees and stuff. And uh, it says, uh, when one of those at the table with him heard this, uh, he said to Jesus, "Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God." And Jesus replied, uh, which I always love. I always love that setup. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just, been, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another one said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered... Has uh, has not been done, but there or has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told the servant, "Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet." So, what I think is very interesting is uh, this parable brings up a few questions: Who is invited to the banquet? Well, we can yeah. kind of we can kind of approach that from a, a logical sense at first, and say, well, he talks about three distinct people who get invited, uh, and then he also brings up a counterpoint later on that we'll kind of go over uh, in Matthew twenty-two as well. So, who's invited to the feast? You have three people, or you have three groups of people. You have the chosen, or God's called. You have the rejected, and then you have the outsider. So. When we look at the chosen, uh, we look at God's called people. Uh, these are going to be um, your religious leaders. Uh, God's chosen people also refers to the Hebrews. It also refers to the Jews um, at that time. And they they were and are still living out the promise of Abraham uh, that can be found in Genesis 22, 15, 18. It says, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, and he's talking about taking his son Isaac to the mountainside and laying him on an altar, and before he's able to stab him and sacrifice him to the Lord, the Lord stills his hand through an angel, and the angel stops him. And so he says, because you have obeyed me and you've not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, or seed all nations on earth will be blessed. And all nations on earth will use the name of your offspring in blessings because you have obeyed me. So the first people they get invited to this banquet are going to be these initial called, these people who are following through the Mosaic law that are connected through the prophecies of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through the promises from David on down. They're looking for uh, a Messiah. They're looking for this servant, but then they get busy 
with distractions. You know, there's, there's a passage when Jesus is uh, getting ready to go out and minister, and one of his disciples says, uh, I have to go and I have to meet my family because I have to bury someone who is close to me who has died. And he says, let the dead bury the dead. And he's, he's referring to the dead being people who are not necessarily dead in life, but dead in their walk. They're not, they may, they may be standing up for the tenets of their faith, but they're not living out their faith. You know, very much similar to the men who are talking to Jesus as he's eating with his disciples and saying, your, your followers have not even washed their hands. He's like, right, but you guys are looking at the wrong thing, you know. Um, so so that those are the initial people that are called, but those are also the people that rejected that calling by the Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. They rejected him as their Messiah. Um, there's, there's a really cool, uh, is it okay if I plug another Absolutely. YouTube channel? Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> so there's a really cool a YouTube channel that I've been watching called So Be It, uh, which is actually the definition of what the word amen means. Mm-hmm. So be it. And it's a very, very cool uh, YouTube channel that um, the host is uh, Messianic Jewish. So he was uh, born and raised a Jew and over the last five years has accepted Jesus as his Messiah and as his Lord and is actually going around the streets of Israel and he's just talking to people. He's not... He's not forcing anything, but he's just asking these questions of, have you heard about Jesus? Yes. What have you heard about Jesus? Well, not a whole lot. And he just kind of has a really cool conversation with them about that. and Kind of an apologetics approach. Very much so. Very much an apologetics approach. And he talks to them about Isaiah 53, you know, which talks about uh, the lamb who was slain for the sins of the world and, and, and that sort of thing. And has, he just asks him, have you ever read this? You know, is this something that you're familiar with? And what I think is very interesting and a point that I wanted to bring up in this is that, you know, in the word, through the word of the prophets, it talks about how these who have been invited by, and I also find that it's very interesting on a very quick side note, that the Lord of the house is sending his servant to go and reach out to each one of these people to invite them into his home. I'm just going to let that hang there for a second. Um, Keep it in mind. Yeah. Um, so what's so interesting to me is that uh, there has been this revival in what is the the Jewish church or the Jewish lifestyle that has not had as close of a connection with their relationship with God that all of a sudden this awakening is happening in their hearts when they start learning about who Jesus is truly is. And I think it's so encouraging to know that even though these people have been invited and have maybe walked away at some point in their life, that invitation is still there. You know, at the end of that, it talks about he wants his house to be full. You know, that means that seat is still there. It's, it doesn't go away. I'm starting to connect dots here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) Cool, cool, cool. So then you have the second group, uh, you know, the, the master of the house tells them to go out and find those who are the rejected, uh, the unclean. So the least of these, the, the lepers, the poor, tax collectors, shepherds, the blind, the lame, the demon-possessed. Uh, and these are all people that the servant 
is able to talk to, is able to bring into the banquet, but even then the banquet is not full yet. These are people that Jesus served as the servant of God, as the Savior. He served them through not just fulfilling the word like he says he's there to do, but also changing these people's lives. You know, um, touching a leper, first of all, in the Levitical law, would have made you as unclean as that leper. Yep. And for certain types of leprosy, could also give you leprosy. Leprosy. Yeah. Like that is that is you know something that can be very common. Uh, and so, so not only is he healing these people, but he is completely washing away those symptoms as if they were never there. So he's going out into the streets and he's calling these people. So it says in Luke uh, 13 and 14, it says, uh, but when you give a banquet, and this is, this is actually, interestingly enough, this is just before he talks about the parable of the great banquet. He says, um, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, uh, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And so he's saying, you know, before this, he's talking about um, people who have status will invite other people who have status so that they can kind of gloat about that because they know that those people will be able to repay them for what they have done. If you and I are rich and I invite you to a a cool soiree next month, you might have your own and invite me. And it's kind of like a, you know, a tit for tat sort of thing. Yeah. But when, you know, he's saying when you're bringing in these people who can't repay you, then that, that that's okay because that reward is going to be paid in the kingdom in eternity. Uh, You know, it also goes back to talking about, you know, when, when the religious leaders were fasting and they were beating their chest and they're crying out in the streets because they want to get recognition for what they're doing for their faith. Right. And Jesus saying they're getting all the praise that they, that they want. They're getting their reward now, but those who do these things in silent will reap that reward in, in eternity and in heaven, you know? Yeah. So he's just kind of, he's just kind of continuing to hammer these points into the people that he's around. Um, in Matthew 25, 34 through 40, it's a little bit longer, but it's, uh, uh, it says, then the King will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in and need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you do, for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me. And so he's also he's also qualifying the the quality of the people that he's talking about. Yeah. He's saying the reason that these rewards will be reaped in heaven is because if you are inviting in the sick and the poor and the lepers and the blind and you're healing and you're talking to these people and you're ministering to these people because you are doing it and you know that that is a that's going to be a deficit to you but you are willing to put that pride away again looking at these relationships through the lens of 
loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves, like, we know how we would want to be loved. So if we're loving others like we would love ourselves, and we're, and we're willing to reach out to those who aren't being loved like these people, then because, and, and in, in light of the fact that they can't repay us, yeah. those will be treasures that we will end up reaping in heaven as well. So it's just very cool how he he qualifies why he's talking about when you have a banquet, invite these people in. They'll never be able to repay you, but that's not what matters, right? No, no, doing good for good's sake, right? And not worrying about the 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 fiscal shortcomings at the yeah. time because that'll work yeah. itself out at some point. Absolutely, yeah. and if and if you're focused on your relationship with the Lord and how He's going to bless you, it may not be. I gave this guy twenty bucks. The Lord's going to bless me with twenty bucks. But it may be I gave this person $20 because they were in a spot and I was able to do that. And down the road, someone's able to bless me with something that I never expected and that I can't repay. And then how much more does that bless that person and myself in knowing that I can have faith in a Lord that's continuing to provide? You know, and again, the servant going out and inviting these people in to this banquet, like who did Jesus die for? He died for the sins of the world. So he's qualifying all of these people that are supposed to be in this banquet because these are all of the people that he's going to be putting his life on a cross for, right? Yeah, I don't want to get it too too far ahead of you, but I know that that, that last category, I feel like I, I fit. Well, Louie and I both know about being, fitting in that last court category. The outsider? Yeah. 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 Don't we, Louie? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> well, and I think that most of us would probably fall within this. Yeah, we're at close, least we're, the way that I we're, we're, the way. we're getting into that uh, the half the, the half hour so oh yeah yeah I'll so, I'll make yeah. it quick I've only yeah. got four more pages of text no cool. I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> I told you I just got the I signal told, from our producer so got you yeah. got you um, so the last category being the outcast or the outsider right um, and these are going to be those who are stuck in darkness. Right, so Jesus came first for the Jew. I thought you were going to say big boy and Andre 5,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so he came first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, right? So these are going to be, these are your, these are your outsiders. You know, you have, the, you have the downtrodden and the outcast that were Jews, but maybe they had some sort of affliction, so they couldn't be a part of the general population. Yeah. And then you have a totally different set of people that are not even affiliated with that outside of creation, that foundational faith that these Jews and religious leaders and even those who may have gained this affliction later on would have gotten. So you've got your Gentiles, your Greeks, your Samaritans, your Romans, any, basically anyone non-Jewish, right? Uh, And so in Mark 7, 23 through 30, and I, this is one of my favorite confirmations about who Jesus is really there to connect with uh, because it's everybody just to give you the answer. Yeah. Sorry to spoil the answer at the end, but it's everybody. Uh, Mark seven twenty three through 30, it says Jesus left the place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. <clears throat> so he's leaving a whole nother situation where there's a lot of people talking to him and stuff. And he's just kind of breaking away from the masses and he enters a house and he, uh, he didn't want anyone to know it uh, yet. He could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as, uh, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose daughter was possessed uh, by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. 
The woman was a Greek, uh, born in Syria, Phoenicia. There we go. Uh, she began, uh, or she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter first, and then he says, first let the children eat um, all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, he's referring to her being an outsider. Yep. And he's not he's not calling her anything that would have been uncommon for the time. And what I love is her response because he still loves this woman. She says, Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And then he told her for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and she found her child lying on the bed and the demon was gone. Uh, so in addition to uh, the Syrio-Phoenician woman, Jesus saved uh, or Jesus shared his blessing with Gentiles all over the place. So the Roman centurion's servant in Luke 7, and then the Samaritan woman at the well, uh, which I think a lot of people know about in John 14. Yeah. And, there's a, and there's tons more. But those are the first two that I uh, thought of outside of this story that, that Jesus confirms to us that these are people that he's also come to be a servant to. You know, he, he treats these people differently because they are different people than the Jewish people that he had daily connections with. But he doesn't treat them any less special. Yeah. Uh, so in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas um, confirm this as well. It says, uh, Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. Uh, we had to speak the word of God to you first, talking to the Jews, uh, and then since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, Paul, love it, uh, you do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, uh, we now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. Uh, and then it says, I have made you the Greek, uh, oh, sorry, uh, so, so he confirms that he is there for the Jews first and then to be a light unto the Gentiles. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed uh, and all who were there were appointed for eternal life and they believed. Just awesome. So yep, Paul's our boy. Yeah, he's the dude. Um, so as you can see, there are many that are called by the king, but we can also see that there are those that hear the call and are given the invitation but choose not to turn to the holiest of hosts. Uh, in the telling of the same banquet parable from Luke, Matthew continues with Jesus' words starting in Matthew 22, uh, and he says this. He says, so the servants, uh, so this is after they come back, the servants went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But the king came in to see the guests, and he noticed a man. He noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. And he asked, how did you get into here without wedding clothes, friend? And the man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. And so to me... It's like a mic drop moment right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so as we can see, though many are called into the house of the Lord, there are, few, there are those that are going to choose not to follow a servant. And when those people have discovered, uh, and when those people are discovered in the house of the king without being made clean, having been dressed as the bride of Christ, because that's what we are as the church. We are the bride of Christ, and he's referred to as the bridegroom, uh, especially in Revelations when it talks about uh, the bride banquet, 
Yeah. It talks about the final banquet in Revelation. It talks about being clothed as the bridegroom. Uh, when we are dressed as the bride of Christ, they will be eternally separated from God and all of his glory. So the question I raised at the beginning, and I'm already spoiled it, but the question I raised at the beginning of this message is, who is invited to the Lord's table? Uh, and it can be answered in this way. Everyone. Everyone yeah. and anyone can answer the invitation that Jesus has brought to us. No one is too dirty, too smelly, too foolish, too rich, well-to-do, or lost in the darkness to receive the incredible invitation that we all have to join at the Lord's banquet table. Because as we know, in probably the most recited verse out of the Bible, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loved the world. He loved everyone. And he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So everyone has an option to accept that calling, that servant's call. You don't have to be clean. You can have dirty hands and a club sandwich on your face. He doesn't care. You can be rich. You can be poor. He doesn't care. He calls everyone for a purpose, and he calls everyone to the table. And I love this saying. I heard somebody say that that uh, we're all called, and I don't know what job I've been called to do, but I'd rather be a janitor in heaven than a rich man in hell. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> you know, that's a that's a valid. That's a valid analogy. Gladly I guess. sweep yeah. the floors of heaven. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> whistling Polly Polly Dude all the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know that's that's what I wanted to share with you guys. That's what I wanted to share with you guys uh, as well. Is is I feel I feel like we all have an option. We all have the opportunity as well to share what we've been called into as believers in Jesus, um, and you know Jesus being the true servant of the Lord. And, and when he's standing in the banquet hall during the last supper with his, uh, with his disciples, with his apostles, one of the greatest things that he did was to show the example of what a servant was by wrapping a towel around his waist and by washing the feet of his apostles and disciples and talking about going out and serving the world. And then when he uses that same, and obviously it's before that, that happens, but when he uses that analogy of the servant of the house going out and inviting all these people into his Lord's home, like yeah. to me, it's just incredible to know that he's talking about himself. He didn't use parable. He used parables to confuse people who were looking to try and confront him. Yeah. But the people who he was preaching to heard it and understood it. Yeah. Exactly what he was saying, you know, and they may not have realized it until after he was risen. But the fact is, you know, all of these people who heard that call answered it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, allowed the, allowed them to not only understand it, but then be able to uh, build on it and then create yeah. something else from yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we get into a discussion in general, you know, in our everyday uh, with people who may be unbelievers who want to say, you know, well, the church hates these people or Christians hate those people or, you know, I don't have a place because of X, Y, and Z. It's like, no, 
Everybody has a seat at the table. Everyone has an invitation. It's whether or not you choose to accept that invite. It's whether or not you choose to build relationships with the people that are sitting next to you at that table or across from the table. One of my favorite things to do, uh, just on a funny side note, like uh, I enjoy going to conventions and conferences and stuff like that. One of my favorite things to do is just, especially if I'm by myself, if I'm with my family of five, it's not as easy to do this, but, (laughs) but if I'm by myself, you know, I'll go and I'll sit down at a table with people I've never met and just start getting to know them and talking to them. Yeah, I do that too. And and it's <laughs> I, I do it because it's an opportunity for me to, even if I never see this person again, take five minutes to have a really great conversation with somebody that I would have never met otherwise. I think that's Sarah's personality as well. I kind of just, just don't meet a stranger, just kind of meet people and, <laughs> yeah. right? Am there I right about no that? strangers. It's just a friend I've never met. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That is 100% yeah. it. Yeah, you got three very outgoing personalities here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I was talking about like uh, building and creating on this. So that's that's what I wanted to do for the, the family portion. Yeah. Um, uh, now, not too long ago, uh, I, was, I, was, I got two. One one very briefly thing. Um, so there's a coffee table down here in our in our green room, and some some people have gotten to enjoy it a little bit. That mm-hmm. that coffee table over there. Um, uh, that's that's actually built out of old crate wood. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, yeah, and so I I, uh, I that's handcrafted by me. <laughs> Bro- broke down some crates, huh? Yeah, I broke down some crates, and uh, and that's why it's a little bit you know uneven. And <laughs> but um, the great thing about it is, it's like everybody that that notices it, they always go, "Man, that's actually a really nice coffee table. Where'd mm-hmm. you where'd you come up with it?" And I said, "Oh, well, and I, I went out to my garage and I put it together." And then I was like, and I, you know, turned my thumb a little bit and just kind of eyeballed it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Then you had a coffee table. Yeah. But it was, it was like, I thought it kind of went perfect with, um, your message because everybody that comes through that door doorway to get into the studio generally will spend a little bit of time in the green room before they ever come over here and, and uh, spend some time in the, in this portion of the studio. And, uh, they, or in front of that, that table. Yeah. And they've been welcomed in, into this home. So, um, I think maybe one, one of these times we'll, we'll do like a little video tour of the, the studio sure. area. <laughs> um, still got some more organizing to do before I'll ever allow that, but <laughs> we're getting there. Um, there you go. It's all about vertical storage. <laughs> <laughs> but, but speaking of, well, of course, building, uh, building this where we're at right now, um, because all of this, happened because of some very, very good people. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy sitting at the producer's station, me and him had conversations, many conversations about how this was going to look. And then um, we put uh, hands to hammers and um, started putting it together. I got Louie. Uh, we spent several hours with me in here, and and uh, he did a lot of this uh, himself. Because <laughs> like if I, if I was sick or whatever, he was still he was still coming over and showing up and, and, and putting it together. And building it from from we had we had just this little section in the basement and yeah. and now we've got this cool little hodgepodge of yeah. uh, Wayne's World looking stuff. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And uh, yeah, I mean now here we are and we're telling people about the Lord and and instilling those values. Um, Louis, uh, how do you feel about uh, talking about something you've you've built or created? 
I didn't know how, I didn't really know how that was, you know. When I used to invite neighbors over to eat, we used to roll them, rob them, and knock them out, and then we put them back in their house. And there you go. <laughs> but no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> but um, I don't. I don't know much. I can't say you, much. Well, see, so you, you built a lot of things. Yeah, You're a very constructive guy. I don't like to brag about it. But well, it's not bragging; just kind of a you know story storytelling, I guess. You know, because um, like I said, you know, your hands was in this in this studio more than more than any of us, and getting getting it, um, like I said, hand to hammer, and you were in here. Um, got the pictures well, pictures to prove it. <laughs> between me and you and Adam, we did it quite a bit. Yeah, we built everything in here, and I I had fun doing it. And it's 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 kind of nice to see where the benefits now, right? Like mm-hmm. how we're we're all here, and like I said, uh, you know, get to tell people I learned, about the Lord. I learned a lot from being here too, and from the Bible and things that I didn't even know about Bibles. I never believed in it, and I learned a lot about it. That, that's the whole point, right? That was what that was the that was the reasoning uh, for for this entire thing. Um, so to hear you say that, Louis, it's like it, it makes me warm and fuzzy. And I don't, but I don't want to uh, take any of the credit because then now we've got to take that point. Up right, yeah, absolutely. Not talking about my wife upstairs, but all the way upstairs into the big man, big man, God himself. Uh, yeah, he gets all the credit because he's the real superstar. There you go. Um, well, so you know when you're talking about, uh, you had kind of sent out the idea of like talking about things that you've built, and um, I started thinking about it. And the outside of the box thinker that I that I tend to be, the first thing I thought of was. I, and I even have this on my professional email signature, uh, professional relationship builder, uh, (laughs) because it's something like building relationships with people, meeting new people and being able to share in different ideas and stuff like that. Like that is, that is a true passion of mine. Um, uh, as far as material things that I've built, I think probably my favorite thing that I've ever built, uh, I wish I still had it, but, um, uh, before my granddad passed away in 94, um, I guess I was probably eight, uh, at the time, uh, that we did this, but he took me down to his workshop and we built a birdhouse and yeah, that was really fun. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is like my granddad was very similar to you guys. Like he eyeballed everything, <laughs> but it was, I mean, he would be just because he had built so much over the course of his life. He didn't really need like a tape measure or a ruler or anything like that. Like he could just, he just knew. And so he literally took one piece of wood and we built this entire uh, birdhouse with, you know, his, all of, all of the tools and equipment that he had in his basement, uh, in his workshop basement and stuff like that. And really what I loved about it was just being able to spend whatever that time was with him in doing it. You know, it's one of the fond memories I have because I was only 10 when he passed. And so there was a lot of life there that I've lived uh, without him. So, like, those memories of, like, being a kid in the workshop and goofing around with jigsaws and stuff like that, like, right. those are those are cherished things for me. Um, and then, yeah, and, and again, like I said, building relationships with people, building 
uh, a foundation of uh, friends and family and stuff like that uh, that I just adore is probably something, you know, it's a little outside of the box of, of things that we've built, yeah. but, but in general, that's kind of what motivates me in, you know, um, just being able to kind of see those things change and evolve and, you know, like a, like a, like a good Cracker Barrel rocking chair over time, they get, <laughs> they have more characteristics. They do. They have more age on them. We have a couple of those here in the green room as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Don got to enjoy a little bit of that earlier. Oh, dude, I love them. They're awesome. <laughs> Um, so move on to Sarah here. We got, uh, what's, what's some stuff that you may have, uh, created or, or built? Oh goodness. I'm not much in creating like that. Um, oh, I've seen some of your Facebook posts. You, you make some pretty cool creations. I do art. So yeah, I'm not right. building. I'm like coloring is a big thing that I like to do. Yeah, that's and creating I'm, something. Uh, I think I have a pretty good eye for color uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's something I really enjoy and it can be really relaxing and it's really cool to start with this black and white picture and you're filling it in all of a sudden it has all this life to it now. Yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes, you know, like me and Serenity will do it together or me and my sister will color or we'll, or we'll paint. My sister's really gotten into paint recently and so um, I've done more painting <laughs> And uh, it's really fun. And even Serena got these little figurines for Christmas uh, with a little paint set. And she let me cu- and she let me paint one. And it's a little turtle. <laughs> it was so much fun. There you go. Like, it, it looks like a kindergartner did it. But it was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of turtles. There's one sitting right behind you over yeah. there on the floor. <laughs> it was funny uh, listening to you talk. And uh, you're like, yeah, I'm super extrovert and my wife that was hard for her to let the people in because yeah you might have noticed the strong look i pointed that way (laughs) (laughs) because i'm the extrovert and he is very much the introvert and i i am very much a believer in the verse in proverbs in fact i have it tattooed on my arm the the reference a man who has friends must show himself friendly (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, and i used to like shout it externally <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, go make friends. There you go. Um, well, luckily you guys moved in two doors down from, from here and, and it just kind of happened because I'm just out, outgoing. So well, kinda, exactly. It's yeah. going to happen. It, you know, <laughs> now he just lives in your hobbit hole. So now all of this, it's like I, I, I claim all the credit for this there because I introduced Sterling and Josh. There you go. There you go. It's got to start somewhere. Yeah. Oh, man. No, that's just how God works connections and relationships. Yeah. When you build a relationship with somebody else, you never know where that's going to take you. Yeah. I mean, I've read so many different things, and, and one that always will stick with me is the person who led D.L. Moody to Christ was like a shoe salesman. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. like nobody remembers his name. I mean, it's in a book somewhere. Like I, I read it, but yeah. I don't remember it. Yeah. But boy, do I know D.L. Moody's name. Yeah. And how many people he reached. Like, yeah. you never know what kind of connection, uh, what kind of relationship, what's going to come of that. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing things like having people at your house or creating art together or whatever, <laughs> God has a purpose for it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not random circumstance. It's not coincidence. There's no such thing as coincidence. It's God's timing, God's plan. Yeah. 
one one thing that I enjoy doing um, is just thinking about the hypotheticals or like the the I wonder what's or I wonder what ifs, uh, especially when I'm reading through the Bible. Like when when you read about uh, the boy who's possessed by um, you know legion and and Jesus prays the demons into the pigs and they run off into the water and they drown. And then it says his father leaves to go and try and find help. And then when they all get there, the boy is sitting there and talking with Jesus. And so then I immediately think, I wonder what that conversation was like. (laughs) Like all of a sudden you're talking to this kid. So the word you're looking for is surreal. Yeah. Well, and I just mean like, as like we get a chance to see Jesus's character, obviously throughout, um, you know, the gospels, uh, in the new Testament, but just in general, like those intimate moments that he has with people, you know, there's so much information in the new Testament, but then there's so much information that we, that we haven't gotten a chance to experience and haven't gotten a chance to even see like a snapshot of. And I just wonder like, what, what is that? You know, what's that first thing that kid says, you know, thanks mister. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and just just kind of thinking about thinking about how does that relationship continue to develop and stuff like that. You so. might, might have said, uh, when do we get to eat? Yeah, dude, I'm starving. <laughs> yeah. That's something um, I don't know if you guys have watched The Chosen or not. Um, I watched one episode and I found it very interesting to watch it. Because, I mean, you read the stories in the Bible and it's like, oh, OK, that was like a nice story. Oh, yeah, I believe it was real. That really happened. But, like, what were the circumstances around it? Mm-hmm. And so, like, the show, The Chosen, like, I lo- I appreciated the fact that it showed, like, everyday life of the Jewish people back then. So, like, the one episode that I watched was after Mary Magdalene had the demons taken from her. Yeah. And she is trying to incorporate herself back into life. Yeah. Where she's trying to work again, where... You know, she went out to pick a flower and she covered her hair because that was a cultural thing for women to yeah. do back then. And like, I, I just, I appreciated that that it's not just a story, right? These were real people that had realized that there were customs they had to follow, and that's why it was so important when those like Pharisees and and Sadducees and whatever they're so oh my gosh you have to do this blah 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 like. Right. We saw guys. (laughs) Bring it down. Coming in a little hot there, big guy. (laughs) There are some more important things going on here. Um, But you you just remember that, too. Things are happening now, too, in our lives. Yeah. You just have to be open to it. Yeah. Well, it's it's nice to see the historical reference, the the theology around it uh, be built upon, but also, like, uh, like you said, like the real lives, like, like when you go, go back and see some of those documentaries that used to be on history channel, which yeah. it's not anymore. I think it's like pawn stars or something yeah. like that. But, <laughs> um, they used to actually show about like American history and, yeah. and, and things like that. You, you would see like a guy, it was an actor playing George Washington, but like it was of that visual of like our first president was really cool. Like yeah. they did all these really cool things. And, uh, and that would make it come alive. So the, the chosen has really done that for the Bible. Yeah. And, uh, I, th- I think it's probably one of the most accurate shows. I've seen a few episodes myself and it's probably one of those bi- biblically accurate shows I've ever seen. So, uh, I, I give it 
you know, two thumbs up as well. Cause right. I think it, yeah, I have not built watched something. it, but I'll have to go in and, and check it out. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's, it's a, it's a no cost yeah. thing. You can just, you can just download it onto your, onto your phone okay. and, and watch it. Um, yeah, my, my dad's a, my, my mom and dad both are, are huge fans and they can't wait for the new, uh, the new material to start All coming right. out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, where are we at on, uh, on time there, Sterling? Couple minutes. All right. Well, <laughs> that's what happens when we just start hanging out and talking. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that'll 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 move us. We'll just go ahead and move on into the into the political portion because yeah, I'm sure that we'll use the burn up those couple minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um. So first story coming tonight from uh, the New York Post. Um. They seem to be pretty, pretty fair, fair and balanced. Uh, they play both sides of the, the, the fence. <laughs> uh, but uh, this story says that there's a California teacher helps students change names and pronouns without parents' knowledge. Um, a California high school teacher has boldly confessed that she helps students change their gender identity without their parents' knowledge. Quote, my job, which is public service, is to protect kids, end quote. Uh, Olivia uh, Garrison told the New York Times about helping students uh, socially transition at school. Uh, Quote, sometimes they need protection from their own parents. End quote. Uh, Social transition describes the process in which a person adopts the name and pronouns that align with their gender identity rather than their gender they were at birth. Uh, Garrison, who is non-binary, teaches history at Del Oro high school and Bakersfield. Uh, they have previously posted, uh, <laughs> she, it's a, it's a lady. I can see it's a lady, but anyway, she has previously posted on TikTok about the decorations in their quote, queer safe space classroom and quote, including a, a bright, uh, quote, love wins flag. One of uh, Garrison's former students, Clementine Morales, told the Times about uh, coming out as non-binary at school while it felt uncomfortable to do so at home. Uh, Quote, uh, I I had to look for parental figures in other people who were not my parents. Uh, Morales, now 19, uh, said of the process. Uh, But the issue has become a hot button issue. It has become a hot button issue for parents under President Biden and his administration uh, administration's proposed Title IX reforms, which would expand regulations combating sex-based discrimination in schools to include sexual orientation or gender identity. Uh, critics have argued that um, the reforms could overhaul the definition of gender in schools and be used as a weapon to keep parents in the dark. Now, that's for certain. And one of the realities of the controversial policy has even uh, outraged uh, liberal parents like Jessica Bradshaw of South, uh, Southern California. Uh, the mother told the Times that she learned uh, of her 15-year-old's social transition after reading perf- her their the preferred name on a worksheet. Imagine your child comes home and they no longer want you to call them the gender that they were born with. Yeah. And imagine finding that out because you've seen it on a worksheet from school. Not because they came to you and said, Mom and Dad, I, I feel this certain kind of way, which I can be like, you can feel any way you want. Um, 
you're still what you were born and God made you beautiful and wonderful. Uh, so learn to get used to it, kiddo. Um, this is such, uh, so many rabbit holes to go down for that because that's exactly the kind of attitude that makes kids not want to come to their parents. And that's why they're going behind the parents back to the teachers. So you need to have a good relationship with your child where they can come to you with anything. But you do still, I mean, I believe what you believe too, that yes, you are born what you are born as. God created you a certain way, a certain gender for a certain purpose. There's just, oh, it's so much, so big. Like, it's hard to just choose one thing to concentrate on. Like, there's all of these root issues, the relationships between parents and children, the relationships between parents and teachers, students and teachers, society as a whole. There's so much. (laughs) The biggest issue here is that that it's not the teacher's place, right? Um, the, the, The child should be able to come to the parent. I agree. And that's where it should happen. If, if this discussion is going to happen, it should be between the, the parent and the child. A teacher is there to tell them about reading, writing, arithmetic, or whatever it says on the class schedule. You know, unless they're in a, in a college course and it's gender studies and, and they've gone all kind of cattywampus and, and those classes, they've, they've proved that to be true. But that's, what you signed up for, you're paying them uh, X amount of dollars to go to that class. See, you decided that as an adult. I that, though. Like, because, I mean, there are a lot of teachers that were involved in my life that I really appreciate, like, and that are involved in my daughter's life that I really appreciate. Like, I'm not saying that what the teacher is doing is right. Parents, instead of it being done behind the parent's back, when the student came to the teacher, the teacher should have gone to the parent is I think the correct order if the kid That's definitely did not the correct feel, order for the teacher, yes. I was like if the if the kid couldn't feel comfortable enough to go to the parent, went to the teacher instead, then the teacher should then that's why I said parents and teachers is one of those root issues that is a problem in our society as a whole. Yeah, I yeah. I, I can I can definitely agree with with that sort of thing. I mean even taking away the extreme nature, if you will, the extreme nature of this type of content I get frustrated when I find out that my kids are missing like four classroom assignments in their social studies class because yeah. there's a lack of communication between me and the social studies teacher. And, and I almost feel like it is my, it is my responsibility and duty to reach out to my son's teacher. But I also feel like there is a level of liability that should fall on the shoulders of the teacher as well. If, if your job is made easier by my wife and I participating in our son's education, then I need you to meet me halfway and help me know what's going on when it's going on. You're not losing any confidence. I'm now I'm a I'm a different parent than than other people may be. If my one of my kids' teachers came to me and had that conversation to say, you know, hey, you know, you're your son is kind of having these um, discussions with people about feeling kind of out of place and maybe feeling like he's not comfortable in his own skin or, you know, navigating that. Like 
I'm not a snitch. I'm not going to sell the teacher up the river. Like I'm going to use that information to try and build a good conversation opportunity with my own kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because now what I know is that that teacher is a trusted source of information to help me at home. And I can also be that same for the teacher to help them at school. And I, I think that I, I, at least I feel like that's kind of one of the points that you're kind of hammering home is that there should be a back and forth between you and the people that you're trusting to watch over your kids for six to eight hours a day absolutely, without it feeling like it's going to be, you know, a war at home because you have this specific information. Yeah. And then, and yeah. then, yeah. And still, and ultimately even more so the parent child relationship is so like, we can't expect the teacher to do everything. Yeah. Like they are your child. <laughs> like that's my daughter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to raise her. You are there to teach her. Right. You can help me raise her in the way that a teacher helps to raise, but you are not raising her. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I feel like that there's definitely an objective stance that you should be taking as a teacher. Like, as teachers, you're already in a very influential spot with that kid because, again, you're going to be with them for six to eight hours most of their day is going to be at home, but if you deduct eight hours of sleeping time, then you as a parent and them as a teacher have the same amount of time that they're sharing with that kid. And I'm the disciplinarian in my house, and you're the cool social studies teacher that they get to hang out with for an hour a day. Like, where's that influence going to start coming from if you haven't gotten a chance to to really instill those values. Cause I also feel like it also depends on the value system of the home before that kid even walks into that classroom too. Absolutely. Yeah. But this person I would say is very confused. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, they're putting in the, but they're not only creating that, um, that dialogue between them and the student and, and not telling the parent. Yeah. But they're also in creating the, uh, the uh, atmosphere. Yeah. Because they have these things hanging all over the room saying this or that making these declarations that are completely yeah. untrue. Yeah. Um, if we're just looking at the reality of the situation. Yeah. yeah. And uh, um, that's where the rubber meets the road. And you, you, I mean, if your daughter had come home and said, my teacher's non-binary, I mean, how would you handle that? I mean, would, <laughs> you know, like, would, would that be something that you can go, okay? Or would you go, uh, maybe we go ahead and put you in a different classroom, especially if you know that they're, atmosphere is also like these things hanging on the wall. I mean, um, that's why Serenity goes to the school that she goes to. Yeah. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. But, um, yeah, cause we try to protect them from, from these. Yeah. But you yeah. can't, things, you also right? can't completely shelter. Yeah. Because if I don't tell her about it, then she's going to find out some other way. Yeah. And, but that's me being a parent. <laughs> Yeah, right. like actually being a parent, <laughs> whereas some people are just, oh, you're going to live your life and you're going to do what you want. And mm-hmm. I'm here to feed you. Right. Like, yeah, what? no, <laughs> like yeah, or all too often you have uh, there's parents out there nowadays that uh, they're 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 the best buddy yeah, of, right? of their yeah. child. And they, they don't make that separation of like, 
you do bad, I'm going to discipline you or, you know, you do good. I'm going to reward you. That kind of, those kind of things don't exist. It's just like, Hey, let's go out to dinner. And, um, you know, I literally had that discussion with (laughs) her the other day. I was like, I'm your parent. Oh, but you're my, I'm your parent. Yeah. We can have fun and we'll play and we'll color or whatever, but you're also going to do your homework and you're going to, you know, do your guitar practice and go to basketball practice because you committed to do those things. So you're going to do them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it is an interesting thing to not to get too far off of what we're talking about, but my son said to me the other day we were talking, he's like, well, that's what I'm going to do, bro. And I was like, you're not my bro. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, well, you call me bro all the time. And I said, well, the way I say it is in a very universal, like everybody's bro. Like, hey, what's yeah. up, bro? You know what I mean? Like, it's just very even as far as the way that I'm presenting it, I said, but the way that you're using it is that you and I are best friends, buddies. And I said, the thing is, I love you to death and we can have tons of fun and do whatever, but don't, don't forget that I'm still dad, you know, because I think that until you become an adult, that relationship between your kids and or kids and parents should be kids and parents. Like the relationship I have with my dad now, you know, my dad's in his 60s and I'm almost 40. It's very different than when I was, you know, yeah. 14. You know what I mean? Like same here. Yeah, but that's <laughs> how, but that's how that's how that relationship has to transition when you're when you are putting things in a kid's life that may end up being very divisive in their household as well. That's another level of destruction that you could be putting there like if the communication level for a kid and their parent is already struggling and you got a cool teacher that's you know new age and forward thinking and woke and that's where you're kind of falling in your influences well it's going to be much easier for you to hit home with a teacher that you can call bro or that you can have some commiseration with versus mom and dad at home and then it's just an easy it's an easy in. It's an easy sell. My, my One of my issues is, uh, in addition to what we've been talking about, is in that article it talks about that Article 9. Yeah, Title 9, yeah. Their Title 9. Like, the first thing I thought was, so what you're saying is, now not only is it a threat that someone who identifies one way or the other could use a cross-gender restroom and potentially be a villain. Yeah. But now they can say, well, I identify as a female so I can go to St. Mary of the Woods girl school. Yeah. That's exactly what that's saying. That's exactly what that's exactly what that's saying. But, and also it makes men and women interchangeable. Yeah. It's like, so, you know, I was like, no, 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 that they're not interchangeable. Right. God made man and he made woman and they, they fit together perfectly for a reason. Yeah. Gave them puzzle pieces for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is still a family show. So I have to keep, keep keeping the children in mind, there you go. but everything was made beautifully and wonderfully yeah. for those reasons. And he knew that guys were going to be, uh, simple. And yeah. he knew that, uh, women were going to be the, uh, um, complicated creatures that they are in, in a good way. And, uh, they balance each other out. Yeah. Because if you have two simples, you just right. end up having, a couple guys that are hanging out and drinking beer and right. watching the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. and if you have too complicated, then you have, you have people uh, talking about each other. 
yeah. all the time. <laughs> but if you have one simple and one complicated, you have this really great relationship that's a, a pretty good picture of it's God. Com- it's at least complimentary. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and usually a pretty good picture of when God. When it comes to gender identity and stuff too, I just, it was so segregated before. Like boys wear blue and girls wear pink. Mm-hmm. Or boys mm-hmm. like dinosaurs and cars and girls like dolls and babies. and Yeah. But when a guy liked those things mm-hmm. or when a girl liked those things, all of a sudden, oh, they must be yeah. either gay or lesbian or or yeah. they're different gender. Well, no, it's just because we segregated those things. Those right. things are yeah. good for anybody. Yeah, pink and blue being being used as 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 gender markers was uh, a marketing ploy. Uh, I yeah, can't remember who came like, up with it. It was is relatively new in the scheme of the history of the world. Like <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. within the last century. That's, like, that's just very American. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Very American well, thing, but And and I think that the same can be said on our reaction to like or our overreaction to like your son wanting to play. I mean, I legitimately remember going over to my cousin's house because my brothers and I were the only boys on one side of my family. The only thing we had to play with was my cousin's Barbie dolls and things. Yeah. It's like, and, and we wanted to play games with my cousin. So I was like, all right, well, we're just in here playing with Barbies, I guess. <laughs> we had fun playing with those Barbies. Yeah, we had, a great time. we had a great time. And, and funny enough, we spent as much time running around and causing a ruckus outside with my cousins like we did at home as we did spending time inside with my cousins playing with their toys. Like, I I feel like you can do, sometimes you can do a little bit more harm than is necessary just based on the way that you react to it. Like, why not ask a question? Hey, why do you like playing with Barbies? Well, I like playing with my cousin. Okay, cool. Yeah, Yeah. and you can learn so much by doing those other things. Yeah. Like playing house with dolls and Barbies and whatever. That's good for boys. They need to learn how to play some house. Yeah. Yeah, Um, And and then, and the same thing for girls and getting to go out and rough house and and learn how to to rubble rouse. Yeah. (laughs) Learn how to take, take a couple hits maybe, or (laughs) Or (laughs) give a couple little, if you know my cousins, give a couple hits (laughs) or give a self-defense. Yeah. Or when you get a little older, you know, if you're interested in like cars or things like that, that's a guy macho thing. No girls should be able to do that too. I know plenty of girls that loves cars. My my wife loves cars. That's that's a good thing. It's a good thing. But society has segregated it so badly that when people, it just gets all confusion now. It's yeah. just all confusion. Yeah. It's, it's like it's, they're trying to interchange men and women, and they're trying to destroy the family unit. That's yeah. what, what it boils down to. That's what all this stuff is about. One of, my, one of my favorite anecdotes on this is something that Ben Shapiro talks about when he talks about his son. Have you heard about his son and his boots? Mm-mm. So he tells this story when his son was really little that his daughter had, like, um, these high heel shoes. Because his daughter is older than his son, and she had like this fairy costume or princess costume that came with like cool pink princess shoes. And when he was younger, he would be walking around the house in his sister's shoes. And when Ben confronted him, he was like, "I want to be a princess too." And Ben explained to him, "Like, well, princesses are are girls, and you're a boy, and so you can't be a princess." But, but what do you like about? her shoes and he's like well they're they're really fun and they're really pretty and so what did he do he took his son out to a cowboy boot shop and he goes 
how about some cowboy boots? And he's like, yeah. And that's all he wanted. He just wanted that special attention to be individual, not necessarily to be a princess. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and what I love is just the way that Ben talks about how he navigated that to say, like, he just wants to be an individual. He wants to be somebody who's recognized for the things that he really enjoys. Very and, American boy. And he, <laughs> yeah. And he, and he wanted special shoes. And that's it. And so what did he get? He got really cool with cowboy some heels. boots. Right, exactly. With a little bit of a heel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I like cowboy boots. I yeah. Got, I got a pair <laughs> exactly. uh, upstairs. Uh, yeah. Got American flag on them. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, anyhow. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, talking about like the, the, the interchanging men and women and, and trying to destroy the family unit, it's very demonic. And um, that leads us to, to our, our, um, our second uh, article. <laughs> you all right, Lou? No, go ahead. Keep going. Okay. They just left me out of the conversation. <laughs> Keep going. Um, so uh, coming from Training Politics, um, the San Francisco Archdiocese calls out Pelosi, Nancy, for those who don't know, Nancy Pelosi, she's former um, uh, Speaker of the House, for lying about an exorcism at her home. On Saturday, uh, Alexandra Pelosi, daughter of uh, former Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, stated that uh, the scandal involving her dad, Paul Pelosi, prompted her mother to conduct an exorcism on their home in San Francisco. Uh, quote, I think that that weighed uh, uh, really uh, heavy on her soul. I think she felt really guilty, uh, Alexandra told the New York Times. Quote, I, I think the, the, that really broke her. Over Thanksgiving, she had priests coming, trying to have an exorcism of the house and having prayer services, end quote. Uh, well, it seems like that was all a lie. Uh, the following day, the hosts of uh, Fox and Friends weekend program reported that no exorcism had taken place at the Pelosi home. The information was also confirmed by the local Catholic church. Rachel uh, Compost Duffy, uh, a host of the Fox and Friends uh, weekend program, added, Quote, uh, well, her radical anti-life position should weigh more heavily on her soul, and she, uh, she is not allowed to receive communion in San Francisco. Uh, um, according to Peter Marlowe, the executive director of communications and media relations at San Francisco Archdiocese, no such exorcism took place. Um, uh, quote, the, the Archdiocese is unaware of the exorcism you, uh, uh, question you raised, he said. As we previously reported, Mr. Pelosi was allegedly attacked in the middle of the night at the Pelosi San Francisco home by an intruder. Um, so I don't know if you guys remember this going back a little little bit ways right around Thanksgiving uh, in the Pelosi's home, uh, uh, supposedly or allegedly, uh, uh, Paul was attacked by a, a man uh, wielding a, a hammer Um the, the police video, uh, the police body cam footage uh, that, that's now recently come out and, and, uh, and, and will be on other shows available uh, here on Revolver Broadcasting um, because that there is uh, language in that video, so we're not going to uh, put it on this show, um, uh, says otherwise. Uh, but given that, even going with that information, uh, I don't know why um, Nancy's daughter uh, would make the statement that they had people come in and try to... Um, uh, do an exorcism and then uh, going even further, Nancy would say the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it seems like a really silly uh, circumstance um, that, that they even have to go through and say, no, 
no, this never actually happened. You didn't have an exorcism in your home. Uh, I don't know why you would even say that unless you had some kind of crackpot that pretended to be a priest go into your home. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from what I understand, she's Catholic, and, and in order to to do that, don't they have to go through the Catholic Church or something? At least yeah. for it to be recognized. Yeah, the, um, well, uh, Louis, Louis was raised Catholic, so he's he's had the most experience in uh, um, Catholicism at the table, I believe. Louie, grab your attention. Keep me out of it. You kept me out of the other one. Might as well keep me out of this one. Um, I'm not for sure what's uh, going on there, but um, we we talked about this article actually before the show. Um, so um, I guess we'll just move forward. Um, so yeah, th- this was a very odd situation. Um, boy. I'm at a loss for words. Um, let's see here. Was there anything else in the article there? No. Okay. So, uh, yeah. What do you think, Sarah, about this uh, this weird uh, statement of being an exorcism in the home, but then there wasn't an exorcism in the home, and now it's been proven to be false? Two things. One exorcisms are a real thing. Mm -hmm. Some people, including like Christian people don't believe in them. Don't believe that demons still exist or work in this world, especially not in America, but they do. So exorcisms are a real thing. So that just want to put that out there. Secondly, it's just dumb to lie when it's so easy for the truth to come out. (laughs) Yeah. Especially in your public eye, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree. I I've never had any like real experience with that sort of thing, but I I do have people in my life that uh have talked a lot about having uh you know experiences with like demonic presences and things like that and yeah. from from what they describe it's not a happy time in any way shape or form. And I can't imagine typically the people that they have talked about don't like talking about it, you know? So it's because it can be very violent. It can be very, uh, personal, you know? And so I think that it's very interesting that you would be, you know, so public about something like that, especially being somebody who, uh, is a member of a Catholic church. You know, you would think that you might have a little bit more discretion with, uh, with that sort of information, especially if the Catholic church is going to come out and call you out on being a liar. Like, I think that that's a very interesting, yeah. thing. you know, <laughs> I think it would have been even more interesting to say, you know, none of that is true. Uh, Nancy will see you in confession tomorrow or something like that. Like, <laughs> I think that would have been really interesting. Too. <laughs> yeah. Come on down to the church. And, yeah. uh, it could, well, Cause she's, uh, uh, she's not allowed to take communion uh, for her stance on, uh, on abortion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because the Catholic Church said, hey, hey you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, you can't have, well, at least the San Francisco Archdiocese anyway. Yeah. Uh, use the correct, uh, well, well, what I believe is the correct <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, way on that. So, yeah, she just, uh, she's she's out of the, the, um, the, the seat that she was in, but still can't stop uh, yeah. fibbing. I just <laughs> well, you know, old habits die hard. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and she is old. Um, 
<laughs> I got the eye roll from Sarah. That's there all I go. needed. There you go. <laughs> um, so uh, let's let's go ahead and move on to our, our, our very last uh, article of the night, and and this one's uh, going to be the most fun. Um, it's coming from the Hill. Um, Trump's Facebook Insta- and uh, Instagram accounts to be reinstated. Former President Trump's uh, Facebook and Instagram accounts will be reinstated in the coming weeks, according to the plat- uh, platform's uh, parent company, Meta. Um, Meta handed down a two-year ban on Trump's accounts in the wake of January 6th Capitol uh, insurrection, a suspension that the company called unprecedented. Um now it will unlock the accounts in uh, the coming weeks, but will apply heightened penalties for future offenses of its uh, user guidelines, according to uh, a release from the company on Wednesday. Uh, Meta's president for global affairs, Nick Clegg, said on Twitter after the announcement that the, the company had needed to determine whether the public risk that had surfaced <clears throat> on January 6, 2021, uh, a walkthrough as what we we call it uh, had recorded enough to uh, receded enough to allow Trump back onto the platform. Uh, how many of you actually know what they're even referring to here? That's how uh, nothing it was. Um, so uh, quote, our, our determination is the, the risk uh, has sufficiently receded and that he should therefore adhere to the two year timeline. We set out End quote, the company said uh, the looming reinstatement, from Facebook and Instagram comes after his Twitter account was reinstated uh, in November after Elon Musk took over the platform. Uh, let that sink in. Uh, Tr- uh, Trump has sent mixed messages about whether he will return to the platforms after communicating mainly through his own social media website, True Social, which we are on, by the way. Um, he responded to Meta's announcement uh, Wednesday by uh, criticizing the initial decision to suspend him. Uh, quote, Facebook, will, uh, which has uh, lost billions of dollars in value since uh, deplatforming your favorite president, me. Uh, actually, I should, I should go back and read this as, as, as Trump. Yeah. Go for it. Facebook, which has lost billions of dollars in, uh, in value since deplatforming your favorite president, me, has just announced that they are reinstating my account. Such a thing should never, ha- uh, never again happen to a sitting president or anybody else who is not deserving of retribution, he wrote. <laughs> uh, Meta said that the lifting of Trump's ban is also coming with uh, new guardrails. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna put it uh, put the little you know metal rails out there to make sure that he stays within the guidelines. Yeah. So. <laughs> to deter repeat offenders, <laughs> including uh, heightened penalties for public figures who are returning from suspension related to uh, civil unrest. Um, Thoughts. I'm staying out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't like Trump very much. No, <laughs> especially when it comes to social media. Um, I quite enjoy his uh, his uh, prickliness. Um, I, I think that's uh, something the country uh, needed at, at the time he was president. I think that we could probably use it again, especially the toughness, um, because we wouldn't have um, non-binary. T- you know, or supposed, alleged, non-binary teachers uh, trying to tell kids how to live their lives and, and change it without the parents' consent. Yeah, that's California, so we might have <laughs> still had that. But <laughs> true. Um, I think it's interesting. Like, I think that I have a love-hate relationship with uh, 
President Trump being on social media. There are things that he posts that crack me up, and then there are things that I'm like, don't you have a cabinet of people who can pre-read this stuff before you <laughs> yeah. post it? Like, and, and and not even, like, in an offensive way, but, like, I mean, just general misspellings and, <laughs> you know, autocorrect couldn't help you out a little <laughs> bit on that one. Cafefe, yeah. Cafefe, like, come on now. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the the fact of the matter is, like, we're we're a country that has a First Amendment right, a freedom of speech, and he uses expression. it, and he uses it, and and <laughs> I think that as much as he can be offensive on one side, there are other people that are just as offensive on the other side, and they don't have those privileges revoked yeah. or suspended. Um, so I think it is, and has kind of always been a little bit of a uh, or a, a very big bit of a hypocritical stance. Yeah. To, to say, you know, well, well, this person can't say what they believe, but everybody else can. And I just think that that's silly. Like, you know, especially when you're dealing with, with people who are making personal remarks and then they're, the companies that they work for are are uh, disallowing them to do their jobs because they disagree with whatever. Yeah. St- you know what I mean? Like, like Gina Carano and, and stuff like that. Like, she's, yeah. I love her. She is fantastic. Um, and, and to just come out with some personal stances on things that, which was very middle ground, by the way. Yeah, very much that, that the company that she works for disagreed with. And then the company decided to do something about it. I just think is, is crap. I think that that kind of stuff is, is overstepping, you know, and I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of a ton of oversight and micromanagement. That's not my style. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, well, censorship to begin with. I mean, well, especially with social media. Those, the whole point of social media was to say what you're going to say. Yeah. Um, and uh, even if I disagree with somebody, and there's a lot of people out there I disagree with, uh, I will defend their right to, to say it. Even yeah. if, even this, uh, you know, goofy non-binary person, as much as I disagree with it, and I think that that's uh, uh, silly or even crazy, um, she's, she's living in America and fortunate for her her or they or whatever she wants to be, whatever that person wants to be called, um, they, they have the right to say it. Yeah. And I will defend that right. Even if, even if I completely disagree. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but for, for Donald Trump's return, I, I think it's, I think it's, uh, uh, it's, it's something that will give us all, all a little bit of an entertainment for sure. Um, yeah. if, if he does in fact, go ahead and join, rejoin. I hope you rejoin the platform, sir. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but what I thought about it, what, what I thought that was the greatest part about it during, his, especially during his presidency, was um, was it was it something that was, you know, completely foolish or was it completely genius? Because think about it, while the left was freaking out over a tweet, he's over here enacting policies that are making the country better. Yeah, right. You're looking at one hand, and woo, look at yeah. that, dollar eighty seven gas. Yeah, you're looking at this hand over here because he said cafefe. Woo, look at that over there. He's fixing education system. Yeah. You know, looking over here. Woo, look at that. He's fixing the economy. You know, he's putting money in people's pockets. He's getting people back to work. They were pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. Lowest uh, um, uh, unemployment rate in, I think, history Yeah, for this country. Um, so uh, he did a lot of good policies. Regardless of rhetoric, it's his policies that should really drive it home. And I think that's, I think that's where the, the crux of this matters. It's like, you know, he, whatever he says it is, is uh, you know, prickly or as goofy as you may see it as 
It's what he what he did yeah. while he was in office. Whereas Biden, um, he does good just to finish a sentence, doesn't he, Lou? Does good to just finish a sentence. <laughs> I think Trump should lower his tone a little more. He should be able to. I know he's a good president. He did a good thing, but he's yeah. got to lower his tone a little more. He has insulted a lot of people, and um, he shouldn't be doing that. He should be able to get everybody together and stop getting on people and putting people down mm-hmm. instead of just and just work on the United States, on our world, and fixing it and try to get the Democrats and the Republicans together instead of all these words that he'd be saying out there that he, um, that's insulting this guy or that guy or the Republicans, he should tone down a little bit and start working just about the country instead of just politics as he's been doing. Yeah, stirring up the pot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think, and I think that's why I like him so much is yeah. because because he stirs the pot, and that, that's that's something I like to do. And that's wrong. <laughs> and that's very wrong. I like I like to call people like that big spoons because <laughs> they're just they're always just stirring things up. Yeah, it's, it, oh, I get into a lot of a lot of situations where I go, oh, how can I how can I mix this up a little bit? How can I <laughs> how can I get Josh is a secret agent of chaos. <laughs> well, you see, Trump is political and theatric. Um, what do you call it? Trying to be an actor. Theatrical. Yeah. Yeah. yeah theatrical. Yes. And he should get out of theatrical and concentrate more on political. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and th- and, th- and that would be nice to see, especially if like um, if you can get him. This is this is the the um, we talked about this uh, the other day, Lou. The dream team. The dream team. Mm-hmm. Trump, DeSantis, right? Because the either one, I would I would go with either one. But but what if they were both on the same ticket? Like Trump is president, DeSantis is the vice president. So you have um, uh, Trump, who's excitable. Yeah, we could, we could use that word, right? Um, which I put myself in that category as well. And then you have uh, uh, DeSantis, who's more grounded and measured um the kind the kind of things that you just a, spoke but about he's a stone cold killer but, but very measured a, about <laughs> very much so but he just like where I, I i like to equate them as a spray and pray versus a sniper like donald trump is just looking to shotgun as much out there as he possibly can and desantis is just sitting there scoping waiting for the perfect moment to just send one line and be like there you go he's a silencer yeah he's, yeah. he's incredible but it reminds me of, of a friendship that, that's in the studio right now, and that's me and, and our producer, Sterling, because I'm very excitable. I'm very yeah. like, let's drop as many bombs as we can. Let's go for it. <laughs> I want to get it all done. And yeah. then uh, Sterling's like, hey, um, the ground's over here. And <laughs> he calmly tells me, like, Mr. Rogers, like, hey, it's all right. Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll take that's care of it. business, and this is how we're And he questions me, and I enjoy that. Um, I appreciate being questioned because that'll, that allows me to grow. Yeah. Um, so I see him nodding and said yes, uh, and and that's true. It allows it allows us to grow when we get we we get questions. So, um, that is a relationship that I appreciate because of that, and I think that that would be a relationship that would work well politically because 
they balance each other out yeah. in that way. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's you know like I said, excitable, and you have your your balance mm-hmm. out of, of someone who's grounded and yeah. a little more calculated. Yep. And uh, well, and then you would have moving forward the potential for uh, a Ron DeSantis and whoever he wants to be VP. Yeah. For the following. Potentially yeah. eight years yeah. uh, of hopefully very good policies. Tw- and 12 years of a conservative president. Yeah, that yeah. would be. That'd be interesting. Amazing. Yeah, it would be. But you know what I think? I think Trump, if he becomes president, he's going to elect a woman vice president. Yeah. That's so a high potential. Yeah, there, there's been a lot of, t- there's been a lot of chatter about that. Um, and uh, hey, there's, there's. These men can't run this country, right? That's it. That's it. Hey, you. Britain had it right. A- queen was queen. How long? <laughs> you always need a woman to settle you down. There you go. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I have some things to say about that. we uh, we uh, we kicked Britain's butt for a reason. So um, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> there was a whole revolutionary war, and we became America. Okay, so um, we got to start to think about wrapping things up here. So, Don, if you want to give us a closing prayer and we'll get some outros. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Father God, we just thank you so much for this time that we've been able to uh, come together and just uh, uh, talk, get into your word, um, enjoy some time and just conversation, Lord God. Uh, we thank you uh, for your continued uh, blessing, uh, not over, not just over this podcast, Lord God, but uh, over our lives, Lord God, and that we could continue to be, uh, that we could continue to be uh, your servants, Lord God, that we could go out into the field and bring in the harvest to your storehouse, Lord God, and that we could be active in the Word, we could be active in your body, Lord God, uh, and Father God, we just bless all those who get a chance to uh, listen to this uh, podcast or watch our podcast, Lord God. Uh, that you would just continue to bless them as well, protect them, keep them safe, Lord God, continue to call into their lives where you're calling them uh, and continue to uh, show them opportunities where they can share the love of Jesus in their lives. And Father God, again, we thank you above all things for your son Jesus who died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins once for all uh, for the entire sin of the world, Lord God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. That was the guy who brought the message this week. It was the golden voice himself. Donald Martyr. Thank you, thank you. Um, uh, next to him, who just gave the woot woot, <laughs> our always always fun guest to have, Sarah Metcalf Allen, aka Shilanaya. Yeah, go ahead and check out her YouTube. She don't ask her to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, across from her, you know him, you love him, the host of Rodriguez Rants, Louis Rodriguez. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for joining us, sir. It's always a pleasure. And uh, I've been your host, Joshua Cummins, reminding you to stay in trouble. We'll see you guys. Bye.